Hello, I'm Pastor Paul, an associate pastor at Living Word, and this is our podcast. I want to say thank you for joining us today. I know this message will minister to your spirit and it will build your faith. I know God will move in your life because you are a doer of the Word. Enjoy today's message. I would say there's like a gusher on the inside, and the gusher is what God wants to do. I always have something to say on his behalf. My, my, my job is to represent him. But I believe that God is frustrated at our inability sometimes to receive from him what we most need. And Sunday, Sunday mornings need to be a setup for what God wants to do even more than what it is he wants to say. I'm going to tell you, if you're relying on Sunday just to find out what God's saying, you're making a mistake. I'd ask him that every day. But when we come together as the body of Christ, he says, we become fitly joined together, and there's something that he wants to do with that, more than just uh, saying something that will encourage us or inspire us. He wants to reveal who he is to us in our moment and in our life. Today's about that. We're teaching about the kingdom of God in this, this season because we're going to have to focus on something other than everything going on in this world or we're going to go crazy. This world is, is going through what, what the Bible calls the, the end of days. It doesn't mean it's all over. It means we are coming into a season where we're going to recognize things are crazy and we're going to want Jesus to come back. We're going to want more of God in our lives. And at the same time, we're wanting more of God. The world is going to want to push him away like never before. I'm just waiting for the day that we get censored for preaching the word. Why? I'm surprised it hadn't happened yet. I'm glad. But when it does, you know what? I don't care because people should be here instead of out there anyway. When it comes down to it, the, the desire of God, what he wants to do is move upon, move within, and move among his people again. He doesn't want to just talk to us. He wants to interact with us. You know, the true God with us is not just a talking God. He's a doing God. I know the Holy Spirit today is a doing God. He has something in mind to do. Today is about you just stirring enough faith to let him do what he wants to do. And what will happen is we'll unlock more of the future God wants instead of it being bound up in the future the world has. God has a plan that is not destructive, that is not restrictive, that is not going to be having less, but doing better in life. That's God's plan. He hasn't changed his mind. He hasn't changed his vision. He hasn't changed his word. It never changes. That means our life assignment is the same, and we just have to get back connected to that better. Now, I'm starting at a jumping off point today, Matthew 6, 33, because it talks about first... And, and many are going to get maybe weary of hearing this, but it, it will set your compass with God. I, I use Google Maps when I'm going anywhere I've never been before just because I don't like to, to navigate critically in my mind. I like the thing to talk to me and tell me where to go. I look at the map before I launch, and then I go there and I let it talk to me, especially if I'm in a big metro but there's something that my phone will do pretty often. It's a little bit older phone. I have to calibrate the compass. And you do this figure eight with your phone. Anybody else ever? Yeah, that's kind of normal, I think. It's in most people's phones. Today is all about that for you. That's what God wants to do. He wants to set true north again. He wants to set our eyes on our affections on things above instead of things on the earth. 
or we're going to get messed up by the things in the earth. I know that in this, this COVID thing, COVID really, it's a terrible, it's a terrible disease. I, I see people, we're experiencing people dying with that disease. You know, that's come close to, to my life and close to our church a number of times with, with people. And, and it is a serious and important thing, and we, we want to treat it with, treat people with respect who are dealing with that or in fear of that. But that has been used as a ruse, I believe, for what the devil has in mind to divide righteous relationships, to send people away from their church, to not assemble, to, to not be able to do church, but to go have protests is the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard of in my life. If one can be done, why can't the other be done? Because there's an agenda to separate people who love God from the unity they experience because when we have unity, the Spirit of God can move. So I look at the disbanding of church as the enemy's way to say, I'm going to stop the people who could fix some things. I'm going to hinder the people that might come up with the answer because they know who is the answer. It isn't what is the answer, it's who is the answer. And when we've got the who, we will have the what that we need. And we're going to have to be more on our game. And what I mean by that is more alive in God to have the what because we have the who. So today is reuniting with the author and finisher of our faith, the Lord Jesus himself, who has always had a plan in mind and he has not changed it. We just have to come up to date. We've got to calibrate some things. We've got to come back to true north and what are our priorities when I saw Christians fall for, oh, we, we, we can't have church or we shouldn't assemble, you know, I, I was critically looking at that saying, what do we do? What do we do? We want to respect people. We don't want everybody to get sick. We want to obey the rules. We want to obey the laws. But it comes down to sometimes, which is the greater law, the law of God or the law of man? And, and what I've determined stepping back is, oh, no, I see all of this cavalcade of stuff trying to come into life. And I said, oh, no, no, it's time to push back and understand what is the law of God, and that's our highest law. It's not a secondary law. The law to come to church is higher than the law of the land. Why? It's God's law. So when it comes down to it, we're going to be challenged, expect to be challenged in your relationship with God that there are other authorities higher than God because that's what the devil's trying to do. It's not a people problem or a government problem. It's the devil. But he will work through anybody that he can. And when people are not wholly and completely given to God, they can, be, they can be used of the devil, sometimes all the time. Some people are really good at that. Other times people just get used a little bit. Don't be used of the devil in anything. We want to encourage the right things. And here's how we do it. We recalibrate. God, what does your word say? I know that's your will. And we make God's word the highest authority in our life or you will be duped into listening to other voices. Second Corinthians says that in the end of days, there will be many voices all crying out to be significant at the same time. And you had better know the voice of God over those or you'll be duped by the other voices and go that direction. Because everybody's going to think they have their right to be heard and that they are right. We have to choose to submit to the higher authority in God. I'm going to tell you, if you waver in that this year, you'll get in trouble. We have to learn what it is to make God the highest authority. That means we've got to know what does the Bible say? 
It isn't what do I think. It isn't what pastor thinks. It's what does the Bible say? And then we choose to go, if it says it, he means it, I'm going to live by that. And if we do that, God can take care of us. It's what it means to be in his kingdom. It means I choose to submit to a king and I'm going to pay attention to what my king wants from me. And it, it, it's, for most believers, it's just little adjustments to think right. And when we start thinking right, we will do more right. And we will feel better about being, being this almost alien in the world. Because what's happening to Christians is you will feel a bit alienated from everything going on. Why? We're not a fit to going the way of the world. Why? We're going the way of heaven. We're not going the way of the world. The way of the world is the path to hell, just to be clear, all right? So we, we want to make sure we stay on the right path, and I can't make people do that. If I could have today, I would have made everybody that calls this their church to have their tail in the church. Why? Because of what God wants to do today. They can hear what he wants to say, but I don't know that they get to experience what he wants to do without being here. Why? It's his rule. It's his rules. See, pastor didn't make them up. I'm so glad there's some rules in the Bible. You know what? I would not do this. Why? Because it's the one thing you can bring that most people go, oh, it is in the Bible. I guess I better. But some things have challenged the Bible. People's job and the rules at their job. If you're not careful, it'll challenge your commitment with God. It'll challenge your ability to witness. It'll challenge your ability to put him first. It'll challenge your schedule. People's money in general. People, uh, family issues. I've talked about this before. I talked about this last week. Be careful that you don't give God time to family. Bring your family to God time. That's going to be incredibly important. You're going to find you're going to begin losing family. You're going to see that the devil attacks families. If you have not experienced that, watch out. Why? The devil loves to divide and, and, and conquer and mess with families. The devil likes to get in there. Why? Because our heart rends when there's something wrong in our own house or in our own family. And we want to do whatever it takes to fix that. And if the devil can mess with that a little bit and get you away from God, you're trying to fix it on your own and God help you. Why? We can't do it on our own. I'm going to tell you something about the age we live in. We don't want to do it by ourselves. We want to know what God says and submit to him. And I want to be able to look to brothers and sisters who are making the same choices to honor the Lord. Why? It will become unpopular. It already is. Why? Nobody's supposed to tell anybody else how they ought to think or live about anything. But the Bible says we're supposed to. We're supposed to choose to submit to God's word and choose to submit to the authority over us that God put in the house. I don't tout that very much, but I'm going to this morning. If pastor brings something from the word and tells you to do it, bless God, please do it. Well, it isn't pastor making it up. It, I, I don't like to get on people, but I recognize some people only respond to that. So today I'm ranting as I start the message, and I know it. And honestly, I believe it's the heart of God. Well, it's hard for me to not just express emotion over people making bad decisions for themselves instead of just going with what God already said. He, he said he made that decision for us. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why would he use those words? It's pertinent to today. When we're being told we can't assemble, he said assemble. And he said, especially as the day of the Lord is drawing near. Hello, how could it be more clear? 
Yet there will be excuses and there will be other powers that be that discourage coming together. Why? Unity is something God uses to move through. He works through. He brings Jesus through. His Holy Spirit requires unity. There's something about God's heart that requires coming together. Otherwise, we'd all be doing home church. Just our, our little thing and our little devotional and think God, you know, God will show up, but what can he do through little home church? He wants to do more. He does not want to do less. I, I, I would say it this way. In my spirit, I know God's, God's saying something like this. I want to show him who I am through what I do instead of people just talking about what I used to do. Yeah. That's who we serve. Now, Matthew 6, says, seek ye first the kingdom. doesn't say seek only. I want to be clear. You're going to have a work life. You're going to have a family life. You're going to have all kinds of responsibility. We live in a world that requires responsibility, but we have a first that separates us from the world. Putting God first separates you from the world, not your faith, but putting him first. When you put him first, your faith will be activated to see through the eyes of God instead of through the eyes of man. And I want you to remember that. What does it mean to put him first? Well, you'll have to ask him regarding your priorities if he's first in those priorities and have that discussion with him then with your spouse and your family and how to do that. But I've seen it erode over the last 40 years where it's almost unrecognizable in most families that there are other competitive gods and they are generally good things or they are responsibility or they are family time or they are I'm the boss or I own my company and I have to do it this way. No, God said seek him first and then. What is he? He blesses the rest. So we want to find out what does it mean to do that? And I can't tell you per your case what you need to do, but you need to make it your mission to find out because that's going to do this. You're going to get calibrated. You're going to go, okay, we've got our house in order. What would Jesus be concerned about if, if, if he's going to come back to, to rapture the church, as the scripture indicates? A lot, of, a lot of preachers today are doing away with that because if they do away with that, they don't have to preach the hard stuff in the word. Well, I'm not doing away with anything. Why? I, I would have a fear of being struck dead while I'm talking to you if I did away with some part of the word because he says, don't take away a dot off of an eye. Uh, yeah, I take that seriously. I think, dear Lord Jesus, I have to be careful when I talk about what something means to make sure I make sure it's what it means. Why? Because we, we want God's word to be simply, what did he say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Why would he throw in that righteousness? Because uh, this world would like to do away with that part of it. You can seek your God, but don't tell us about righteousness. Don't tell us God has a standard that he will bless about any of the human issues. We have human rights. The God of this world wants man to think he's in charge of everything so he can put a noose in the nose of the man. That's what the devil does. He doesn't just want to, to kill and destroy. He wants to steal as much as he can first. Why? He gets uh, glory from that if there's such a thing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things, Jesus was speaking here. He said, all of the things that the world seeks after you can have, but put him first. And he says those things will automatically gravitate into our lives if we put him first. 
Now, I'm going to tell you something about the days ahead. The world is going to try to push everybody into a new submission that is being called the global reset. You want the wisdom of God about every decision in your life from this day forward. You're going to want that and need that so, so that your whole foundation is in the kingdom of God and not trusting in the ways of man. Now, we're not going to go into great end time teaching today because this is a day God wants to do some things to recalibrate. Now, the devil is out to divide. I've talked about that, but secondarily, he displaces. People are displaced from their faith, displaced from family, displaced from work, displaced from church. They've gotten talked out of being here because there's an easier way at home or wherever. The way, the path of righteousness is not an easy path. It's a committed path. It is not going to cost you nothing. It's going to cost you something. But in giving the cost God exacts in being first, he gives us all the rest. It's his check and balance. Am I their God or am I in their imagination? Which one am I? And you don't want your faith to be an image nation. You want your faith to be the real deal. You don't want it to be a, a, a conglomeration of postings in your mind of who God is. You want the real conversation with the real guy, eye to eye, face to face. You want to know him. See, we're so, so tricked into this information age of, of receiving a truth uh, in form rather than living it in our life, and it isn't the same. People can go online, and they do, and they represent their life as though everything is glorious, and I know whenever I see that, that is a lie. Nobody is that good. I don't care who they are. Why? We are not like that. We've got flaws and problems and issues that require God. And when we post all the time how wonderful we are, we start believing it. And, and scripture says it does this. It makes every person seem as though they are their own God. Ooh, watch out for that. Why? That's the new religion. That's the world's way. And if everybody can be honored to be whoever they want to be, any kind of way, any kind of day, then everybody will get along and we have the new peace. God calls that the great chaos. So be careful. The very thing that's being peddled is meddling with God's plan. Watch out for that. Now, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I want to spend a few minutes because it hits the core of things here pretty quickly and I don't know, I'm going to go 15 minutes or more, and then we may stop and begin to minister. I'm just going to listen to when I feel like I've said enough and the Holy Spirit wants to do some things. Second Thessalonians, uh, most of the book is really about Jesus' return and the readiness of the church and what we should be watching out for. And, you know, I know there, there, there are a lot of things being said today just to bring comfort to people. Comfort comes from doing right with God. That's where it comes. The Holy Spirit becomes our comforter when we obey. When we're, we're not walking in obedience, we'll feel uncomfortable. And what's meant to happen is, is it's, it's God's way of saying, hey, there's something more. Do you want it? Do you want to know what it is? Do you want, you know, I had uh, uh, an uncle that was real good at hiding things when I'd go to his house. He'd say, I've got, a I've got a treat for you. I've got a present for you. And it was never, here you go. It's like you had to go on a safari hunt to find it. And he would give like five or ten clues. It depended how ornery he felt and how much time he had. And you never knew what it was going to be. So I always say, well, what is it? What is it? I'm not telling you what it is. And sometimes it might be some really little thing that required huge effort. But then every so often he would drop in something really big that didn't require any effort. You never knew which way it was going to be. 
I would be prepared to seek out the treasures of God for your life just like that. Just apply diligence every time. And God doesn't make it hard on us, but the devil does. Sometimes there are just roadblocks in the way. There are things in the way our mind doesn't think right. You remember playing as a little kid, you're finding something. Am I hot or am I cold? The Holy Spirit loves to lead his kids that way. He loves to, to work with us that way. Where we, If we will listen on the inside, we'll begin to know, am I on the mark or am I not here? Is this a good decision? Well, we want decisions that will be good into the future. That's who God is in us. He's looking out for the future. He's looking out for how to help us maneuver to his future and his way. Now, this is uh, chapter 2, verse 1. We beseech you, brothers, this is written to Christians, consider the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, understand he's talking about how we should be preoccupied and how we calibrate for right direction in our life. Consider Jesus is coming soon. If you don't think about that every day, please start thinking about that every day. Well, the, the world is kind of screaming it, if you know the scripture. And if you're a Christian, you're beginning to think, maybe it just would be better. For him to come on now, you know, uh, uh, up until this year, I thought, you know, I, I've got, I want some time, God. I want to do some things. I want to see my grandkids. I want to, you know, let me get in my 80s at least. Then you can come again. I'd rather you come again before I die than have to go through the die process. Well, probably everybody's thought that. It'd just be nicer. But why? I'm going through a lot of losses with people and death is a loss. How much better to not have to have to experience it a traditional way. Anyway, I'm getting off a little bit, but I'm doing it on purpose. Why? We should be thinking about Jesus' return or we won't think right about anything. Amen. See, it puts us in, in a right perspective, not just of personal readiness, but where's my life going? If I was called before the master and it was all over, will I have accomplished something that he wanted from me? Will I have been on the right track? Will I at least be on the right, right, right road, headed for the right goal? Consider the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he said there's a second thing to consider, our gathering together unto him. Interesting. Those two things are being radically challenged. Most interesting to me that the, the doctrine of Jesus' soon coming return is being broken off in most churches and saying, we're not going to talk about that anymore. Well, why would people choose that? Because it makes us judge ourselves. It makes us then teach the rest of the gospel that says these things disqualify us from eternal life with the master. These things, these decisions for Christ, making a strong commitment to live for him, qualifies us to go in the rapture. So better to just cut out the rapture and not have to talk about it so we don't make people locate that they might be living something wrong. I'm here to tell you, if we don't know what we're doing wrong, we will soon lose touch with what we're doing right, and we'll just be like the world. And there's a lot of that in the body of Christ today that I think God's saying, oh, give me a chance again. That's his heart. Give him a chance again. So th that doctrine of Jesus soon coming return, and then the very gathering together. I hope there's not more restrictions coming, but if there is, we're going to find a way. Say, Pastor, really? Yeah, uh, call it the underground church. They've done it in other nations for years. But the church doesn't leave till Jesus comes for the church. 
The church can't be shut down. I'm not trying to bring a rebellion. I'm trying to point out, you're going to have to decide what is going to be your truth. Is it going to be what God said or what man says? Because the way of the world is to get everybody on the same page in this glorious humanitarian unity that God had nothing to do with. And I'm going to tell you something. God's going to let everybody know he's not in that and it ain't going to work. Why? It's a domination. The devil is always out to dominate. So when I talk about this this season that we're in, the next step is a domination. If you're praying, if you're a praying person, you already perceive the enemy's trying to put the hammer down on American freedom. The enemy's trying to put the hammer down on the church. Watch it hit the church and the Jews harder than any other part of the populace. Why the Bible says it will happen. So why am I telling you today? Because I don't know how many more opportunities I'll get to be before you that that something I'm saying won't be forbidden by a government. Why? Government wants to take the place of God and God will not have it in in his church and in his people. So what happens if you're, if you're called of God, you better have some guts. If you're going to remain a Christian, you better have some strong commitment because otherwise you'll start to look like anything but a believer. Why? That's what the world is after. Suppress, oppress, and dominate. Well, why, why would, it, why, why would uh, the world come against the church so much? Because it's the truth, the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said, would be in him. Now, he said, number two, here's here's what we've got to realize is at stake. This is what the Lord wants to, to, to minister to today. Do these two things so that you are not soon shaken in your mind, messing everything up, bringing confusion, bringing doubt, bringing fear, questioning the whole life plan. It's a scary thing for me at 60 to think socialism may take over the nation. I didn't work my life for that. Neither did you. We had a plan. We were responsible. What are you saying now it doesn't matter and everybody's going to, the government's going to take care of everybody? I think not. It's not God's plan. It's not God's best. So, Pastor, when did you become political? I've always been. My politics line up with God's word. See, no that you not be soon shaken in mind. In other words, it doesn't take long for your mind to get messed with. Or be troubled by a spirit. We're in a season of spiritual warfare. Those that have not engaged in it are being duped in it. Why? You you either have an awareness and you're on top of it saying, God, (laughs) the minimum prayer should be like this. God, I don't know what's up with everything, but I want to be right with you and I want to know what I'm supposed to be doing. I want to be pleasing to you. I want you to live live big in me and help me navigate through this life. But there's people people that are getting duped by the spirit of the world. And what happens is everybody gets lulled asleep spiritually. Just be quiet, lay down, mind your business. God's a quickener. He doesn't make us sleepy. Sleep in the Bible is talk, talking about spiritual death and even physical death. Being quickened and brought to life is the way of Christ by resurrection. It's always his way. Now, be troubled by a spirit and, and not to be troubled by a false word or a false doctrine. The time he wrote this letter, there was false doctrine going around that Jesus had already come again. 
So he said, don't be stirred up by somebody taking, creating false doctrine. It's a false doctrine to take rapture out of the church. It was happening then, and it's happening now. Remember, I told you last week, as our earthly time draws, draws to an end as the church age, it will be like it was in the beginning of the church age. At the beginning of the church age, there was the fire of God working through people to do the will of God, but there was a resistance against it by the world. And we've lived most of our lives not feeling that resistance because of where we were in a nation and a land founded on Christ Christian principles who has now been stripped of its moorings largely. And we see the same persecution and the same problems coming into the American church that none of us, I never thought I would ever live to see it. I thought it might come later why the Bible says it's going to happen. So what do we do? We've got to make sure that we are on spot with God instead of half-hearted in our walk and commitment with him. Or there will be nothing good come of this. I'm not going to play with you with the words and just bring words of comfort without bringing the warning that keeps us in a comfort zone. When we want to obey God, we enjoy the Holy Spirit as comforter. But if we don't let him be the convictor, he can't be the comforter. Why? He leads us. Think of Psalm 23. He's leading his sheep into the right pasture. And he's been there to drive the wolves out of the pasture called his kingdom. And that is our respite. That is our safe place. That is our haven. And that's where he is. He's not going to be in everything else. Now, Knowing that the day of Christ is at hand. Don't be shaken. Don't be troubled by a spirit. Don't be troubled by a false word. When the enemy comes into your, your mind, oh, you don't really need Christian fellowship, you tell him to shut up and get out. Why? We need it now more than ever. Been out with a, a few of our older folks that are more shut in. They want it more than ever, but they won't ask. Why? They don't want to be needy. I'm going to tell you something. Your neighbors that don't know the Lord that are experiencing a death in the family because of COVID, they need God, they need you. See, when we're being told, shut down, back off, and don't do anything, you've got to understand, is that what God's saying? Or did it come from somewhere else? It's not what God is saying. Now, there's an information. Scripture says that there would be an information age and knowledge would greatly increase when Jesus is about to come again. I interpret it this way. There's an information barrage. If you're not careful, your thoughts and your actions will be dominated by the in information coming into your life, into your mind. I watch people, and this is, this is a warning for folks. I remember when, when, when all of these, these social media things came out, the Holy Spirit was very clear with me, have no part of that. I now understand why. At first, I thought, well, I should try to do that. Everybody I know is learning how to do that, mostly. Then I started talking to some guys about my age, and they weren't too into it either. I thought, okay, that helps. I kind of know. But why? We weren't brought up with information being our decision maker. Mom and daddy helped. Aunts and uncles helped. Church members helped. There was influence that was metered by people that I knew loved me instead of everybody else out there telling me how I ought to live, how I ought to think, and what was right. Be careful and understand that all of, the, all of the media stuff is being twisted into taking you away from God. And the next generation to have a normal that is just knowing about God, knowing a little bit about what the Bible says, but they don't really know him. 
You can't really know God without spending some time face-to-face with him talking about life. When I talk about prayer, prayer largely is this. You want to talk to God about life and have his counsel back into your life. It's talking a little, listening a lot, saying, okay, God, i got to get tuned in to you talking to me. And when we do that, it's honoring him, and he makes sure we hear his voice. That's what it means to be Jesus' sheep. We turn our ears toward him so we can hear him instead of just munching grass and thinking, well, he'll, he'll come get me and save me if I get in trouble. No. He says, listen, so you'll be saved. Pay attention so you'll be saved. We'll know where to walk and how to walk to be near the master. I'll say it this way. He said wolves in sheep's clothing would come into the church of the latter days. How do you know the difference? You stay close enough to the real deal that you know everything else is not. And you want to learn to do that. Guard what's coming in informationally because you will be barraged with things that are not true, but they'll sound good. How do you know the difference? Does it line up with what the scripture says? If it does not, chunk it, chunk it. 90% of what I see come across isn't worth giving consideration to. It's built on lies instead of truth. Second, attacks on your family. Attacks on the church. If you've not experienced it, expect, understand, the enemy is out to try to mess you up. And understand when he comes against you, press into him. Press in, bring that family together. Resolve it, get forgiveness, get direction, and move on. When you are pulled away from fellowship for one service, do away with whatever pulled you out of fellowship and say, Jesus could come again tonight. I wonder what would happen if he comes on a Wednesday night based on church attendance. I wonder what would happen. When I read my Bible and I study, study, study thousands and thousands of hours in my lifetime, I read my Bible. There's a lot of scriptures that make me think if people aren't right, they don't go on that bus. And then he says there's a tribulation. Do we really know what it is to live in trouble? We're just beginning to smell the beginnings of that in the threatenings and the ravings and the rantings going on and everybody's voice thinking they're, they've got to be heard and included and have their way. What if a nation tries to accommodate everybody getting their way? Do we really think that can happen? No, there will be a suppression like has never been seen on this planet before if people continue going that way without a God check in their life. So what do we do? We choose to lead the way in what's right, whether others do or not, quite frankly. Attacks on family and church, what kinds of things? Getting distracted, getting pulled into other patterns. Being enriched in family time, but now at the cost of, you know, where are Christians that are supposed to be in fellowship? Where is this great unity? Where is their part in the body of Christ? We don't do that at home. I'm here to tell you that does not happen at home. Home is where you go to celebrate God in your personal life. Church is where you come to be connected to the body of Christ that's going to do something for God. Your future blessing has to do with doing for God. It has to do with that connection, not knowing about him, not just hearing teaching about him. The teaching will not bring God's freedom and deliverance into your life. The relationship with the master will, knowing the shepherd. Third, there, there, there's been orders to isolate and to divide people with fear. So what would God say? Scripture says is clear about that. We don't do that. At a minimum, he says, where two or three are gathered together in my name. Say, well, that's pretty easy to do. Yeah, you can do that at your house. But you don't just gather. 
You don't just gather and have family time. You gather in his name. That means we're gathering together saying, Master or King Jesus, what do you, tell, what do you want from us? How, what do we do that, that empowers us to be more a part of your kingdom? Why? Because doing what the king asks gives you the king's protection. There's coming a day that many in the body of Christ will cry out for healing and angels to work and they will not work on their behalf because they're not meeting the prerequisite. Gather together in his name and he's there in the midst and we don't have to cry to be rescued because he's already there. I don't want to have to call him into a fiery furnace. I'd rather him be there when I walk in. See, the, the world is full of stuff like that. I thought of all the Bible stories. I thought, dear Lord Jesus, so many of these things now seem more real than they ever did. Uh, 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 there's so many threats out there. The threats are to the Lord Jesus being in you. The devil doesn't want that. And God wants us to rely on that more than we ever have. Why? He says his church will become the glorious church in the latter day. Well, we've not been seeing that. So I want to see that. So I believe if we talk about what we want to see from the pulpit, we go there. Why? That's God's way. He says we're going to have what we say. Now, the devil divides so that he can dominate. I believe today, this is my heart. I draw a line in the sand. He's done. He's done with that. We, we, we have figured out his little deal. And what I'm trying to do is read into this. I'm, I'm, I'm not angry at the government. I'm, I'm not looking to the government for solutions. I recognize our God is it. Jesus said he's the way and he is the way. And we better connect to the way or we're going to wonder what in the world has happened around here. What in the world? See, if we're not careful, we become dominated in our thoughts by fear of what could be instead of the certainty of who is, and he is. Now, Ephesians 2 is a prayer. I'm going to touch on it. For the whole Christian family, this is Ephesians 3, not 2, 3, about verse 15 or so, he starts talking about praying for a Christian family that God would grant us, according to the rich of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Holy Spirit in the inward man. Today's about a strengthening. Today is about a strengthening. It gives you the ability to persevere into a victory. The victory isn't automatic. There's a perseverance thing that happens. Your ability to persevere, your ability to press on, your ability to not get tricked out of right relationship with God is going to, going to be his Holy Spirit working in you. Where you go, I am not giving up. Today I'm planting seed of that, but it's the Holy Spirit himself that gives you the preserving and persevering power to move ahead in his plan. And I believe this for every person. The world has been about distractions. And whether you know it or not, you've had some distraction. Today, that comes off and out of the way. It's kind of like, you know, having cataracts on your eyes. I have a lot of friends who have had that. I have a, some dimness in my eyes, so I can tell who's where because I know where you sit pretty much. But there, there's a little bit of dimness where if I, I like to get out and kind of walk, because I get like this, I can see the whites of her eyes. I, right, I know who everybody is in that row because they're always in that row and they're usually in, in kind of the same, pretty much the same configuration. And pretty much as I go back, everybody's where they belong, okay? Pretty easy, pretty obvious. And, and even, even I kind of know who's, some people just, I'll just say it. You're probably all creatures of habit. As long as we've got the right habit, and it's working for God and working for us. Who's going to come against that? But what we want to do is put, put a, a check in. Am I being strengthened? Am I being strengthened for today? 
Am I letting God give me the impartation I need to deal with all of this? Because this is not normal living. 40 years ago, it was not like this. I've heard every, every generation before me say, oh, it's never been as bad as now. They didn't know what they were talking about 40 years ago. Why? There has never been anything like this. They would all be raised from the dead right now to fight a war to change things if they could. Why? They would have never dreamed that there would be conversations, let alone decisions being made like they are. So what do we do? We push back with our own faith for ourselves. I'm not trying to stir up a, a rebellious force. I'm trying to stir up the Spirit of God in you for you. And then when you get stirred up for Him, then whatever it is the body of Christ is supposed to do, we'll be able to do. I'm convinced that there's going to have to be a, a, a lot more of an effort to win people one-on-one. -on -one. Why? It is soon to come across the wires to be hushed in public assembly to push any religion. And then out of that will come this birthing of what is acceptable called the new world religion. Why the Bible warns of it. It says so. So what do we do? We, we push while it's day. Scripture says work for what's right while it's day because the nightfall is coming. What does that mean? The end of the age, the end of time. You say, Pastor, you're a bit sensational. I hope so. I hope it's coming across. Why? I, I perceive the passion of the Holy Ghost as I speak. It is no longer pastor speaking. It's the Holy Ghost. Why? He wants us to get it and move ahead with him. Why? Our protection, our provision, our, 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 our sanity even. I know people kind of losing their mind over some things. Why? If we don't know God, we're going to not know where to anchor anymore. Now, We'll finish this up. Perseverance to, to stay filled and strengthened in his love. He talks about that in this passage. And I'm out of time because this is about what he wants to do and I perceive he's doing. Revelation 3.10 says, there's a word of perseverance we're to have to keep us from falling in the hour of temptation. This may sound sensational to some, but this is the hour of temptation. I don't know that it's the only one. I don't know that it's going to be conclusive. I don't know that we see it end until Jesus comes to rapture his church. But we're in what the Bible calls an hour of temptation that comes on the whole world. The whole world to want to save the planet when God says he will save the planet when he recreates it and he will chastise everybody that abused it. He's got that. We shouldn't be worried about that. Should we be responsible? Yes, but he's got that. So if it's an hour of temptation, what are we being tempted to? And what are we being tempted away from? It's not just attempting to accept what's coming. It's attempting to deny Christ to get what's coming. This morning, we're going to open the altar. I'm just going to cut right to the chase because there's very tangible knowing of what God wants to do. He wants to break off, set us free. So this isn't a breaking change thing. This is, this is, this is our own inactivity. This is our, how we are left. At, in, in, I'll call it a, a mid-COVID. They're going to come out with that too. Why do you say it, Pastor? Because when I'm praying, I hear the Holy Spirit telling me what's about to happen. They're going to call it mid-COVID. It can't be over yet because there's not enough control and domination that's come out of it. So there's going to be another kind of a push like that. So what do we do? We get ourselves right with God and say, God, I'm going to persevere. 
no matter what comes my way. And instead of thinking I'm just going to make it through, you're going to bless and prosper my family. I'm going to keep my right priorities in my own house, and we're going to keep God first, and we're going to learn. What does it mean to do that now? You might want to think about what, what, what you're doing with devices. If they're bringing entertainment in your life that is unwholesome, I'd do something about that today. Why? It'll get a hook in you. Ever wonder why, why sometimes kids can't put down a game and you think, but it's an okay game. How many hours did it take? That's not a good thing. I'm just going to tell you. You will not have a virtuoso anything if they play games all the time on the phone. That's a hard truth. I know that's, that's like unpopular. I, I can hear moaning in the congregation when I say that. But I'm just going to say, I, I, I'm the generation before. I can't imagine doing that. I, I, if we'd had a device like that, we'd have got a whipping for being on it all the time. Quite frankly, that's how different it's become. So, well, Pastor, that's like putting on your own. No, it's not my thinking. It's, it's the Holy Spirit warning. Be careful what we allow as an avenue of domination. Because what this is about is understand the world system is out to dominate all people. The hour of temptation that is on the whole earth is meant to dominate and then suppress and gain control over all people. This is about control. When we know Jesus is the author of freedom and liberty. So what would he have us do? Anchor in the kingdom of God and we will learn how to navigate through whatever the world's doing without losing our freedom, our liberty, our sanity, our provision, our future, our families, what God has in mind. This will be the hardest time in history I can think of to counsel young people on what they should be doing with their life. So what do you do? You tell them they better know the Holy Ghost of God so he becomes their counselor because you can't tell them. We don't know. We're not going to know that. Otherwise, what happens is everybody starts chasing a dollar and they abandon God. And in chasing the dollar and abandoning God, family will become the, the, the Christian altar before God if we're not careful. What happens? He'll not be in that family. That's what comes of that. If he's not first, he's not in it. I want you to understand that. That's why it's so important to seek him first. It doesn't mean, the word seek doesn't mean we do everything right. It means we recognize when we don't go, oh, I'm fixing that. That wasn't seeking him. That wasn't just right. And I'm going to tell you, I've learned more in my life that way than just doing it right. I used to read the Bible and think, I don't even know what this means, let alone choose to do it right. So I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit convicting me when it's not right. I just want to go to some, some music in the background music if we can. I'm looking up there. I see Collins up there. Just put something on for background music. I, many times I like to call the worship team because they carry an anointing. But today I want to just, uh, I, I, I want to close differently. I'll have you stand and I'll pray in a minute. But when I close, the altar's open really for whatever it is you want from the Lord to get rid of some stuff that's in the way and to reconnect with his future. Last week I talked about it a little bit and I left very dissatisfied. I said, Holy Ghost, you've got something more to give people than just the word. You've got something that you want to do to make a difference. Understand the prayer of agreement's one of the most powerful things that we have in the scripture. Where two or three of you pray as touching anything, he says any two of you agree, as touching anything, he'll do it, you'll have what you say. I believe that. I believe that when we've heard a word like this, something should stir that we want God to do. That should just happen. 
Holy Spirit, make us your vessel this morning to do what it is you would, would have. I, I'll just say some things. There, there's, there, there's some old addictions that have resurfaced. He'll free you of that. I won't call you out. I won't say it, though I know of a number right just right now. He tells me these things, and I bring a, a, a word of knowledge. It means God knows, and he's ready to take care of that. And I won't call it out, and I won't call you out. You call it out. You. When I was talking about internet devices and games, that's one of the biggest things in this moment. God wants the Holy Ghost to be the filter he made him to be in those things. It's not all wicked, but most people I know get addicted and can't control the entertainment in their life. Why? We're a culture that's been driven toward entertainment where many people for, for, during COVID just been binge watched all the time. We can do that. I've done that before. I've done a little of that. Get into a show I really like. I think I'll stay up till midnight and finish the series and I'm gonna go to bed. You know, and that's, I don't know, it's just kind of in our nature to want to do that. But if we're not careful, we have a habit of distraction. And we're not dealing with reality. We're not asking ourselves the right questions. We're not letting God have room to work, to talk to us about life and about our future and our decisions. That's what he wants to do. I'm aware today of the enemy coming against families like never before in what should have been a coming closer together, many families have experienced ripping and tearing and the enemy attacking and different ones making bad decisions. Why? There, there was all this unstructured time given to people. I'm gonna tell you something about God. He's the God of order and structure. He doesn't like chaos and he doesn't leave us hanging with nothing to do. When we find those circumstances put before us, it's the devil's plan to get in there and mess with what we call that space, free time, free space. I, I grew up in the, the days of school. Recess was short and there was no free time, no such thing. I watched free time come into the education system so the teacher got a break, essentially. But we're not made for that. We're, we're made to give ourselves to one another, to give ourselves to God, to, to give ourselves to cause that he puts before us or passion, a business that we believe in where he made us to give capacity to things that have priority. Well, I'm going to pray and those that want to go after this prayer, you can go. I thank you for being here. I want to interpret myself. I'm not hollering at anybody except the devil. Okay, why? We have an enemy. I'm aware of what he tries to do and, and it feels like a uh, uh, sometimes you'll feel like the same way I have lately. You'll feel like you're pushing upstream and everybody's saying, what do you think? What are you, why are you trying hard? Why are you doing that? That's a Christian life. We're going to go upstream. Heavenly Father, I ask right now in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit move in our midst. Father, that you begin to stir in the hearts to receive by faith what you have today for every person here. Father, I believe you want to minister to everybody somehow. So in this moment, I ask you, Begin to identify in our hearts the things that need to be surrendered to you that will bring radical change, clear direction, and a refreshing. Father, restore families to one another. Father, cause the, the offense that's come, cause the sin that's come, cause the division that's come to be broken and be gone in Jesus' name. 
Father, I ask that you allow in every household a a priest in that home, a a spiritual leader in that home, whether it's the dad or the mom, whoever is the highest authority in in the word, the, 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 the husband should lead. But Father, sometimes there's not one. I ask, Heavenly Father, stir up a desire to be a spiritual leader in every family and every household that there's a sense of new commitment and new grounding, Father, that we have the ability to persevere through anything, not just to get through it, but unto the victory. Father, I proclaim, I decree and declare over this congregation and every person here that we come into greater victory day by day. But in that, we are willing to join with you to fight the battles we need to be fighting. And not just stand by waiting for you to supernaturally do something when you're tapping us to make some changes. Father, I thank you that there will be a strengthening to every family and every person. Father, I thank you there will be an impartation of faith for healing and faith for health and faith for finances and faith for family relationships to grow and improve and be better and stronger and closer together than ever before. Satan, turn loose and let go of God's people and everything that belongs to them. In Jesus' name, I address you and we resist you and we call you done for, broken and under our feet in Jesus' name because Jesus already has the victory over you and we take hold of that victory victory by faith in his name. It's in the name of Jesus that we walk in strength and we walk in victory. It's in the name of Jesus we can broadcast and forecast our own future because your plans for us are good. They're not for evil. They have hope-filled future before us and we line up to hear about that and know about that and walk in that and enjoy that for as greater is he that is in us and he that is in the world and we listen to who he is, the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ speaking to us by the voice of the Holy Spirit, by the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. Now, Father, I ask that upon your people come their rightful anointing to be led by your Holy Spirit in the inward man, by an inward witness and an unction and a knowing. When we're on our way somewhere, we're doing anything while we're in motion and on the fly. You give us what we need to know to keep everything right and everything in balance. Father, where there's been accidents, where the devil's got in and hurt people, where there's been death this last year, where there's been trouble, there will be no more in Jesus' name. We're recalibrating our compass spiritually. We're lining up with your will and your way, and we're going to walk in your kingdom, and your kingdom is filled with light and filled with good and filled with blessing, and that is our expectation because we belong to you. We are yours and you are ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you might want to shout out an amen right there. Thank you for joining us. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that ministry at Living Word Church is possible. You can get more information on our website at go2lwc.org. You can also give online as well. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends. You can take a screenshot and post it to your social stories. You know what? You can even share it in person with someone who needs encouragement from God's word today. Thanks again for listening. And as always, you're welcome to join us in person where we will worship together and God will minister directly to you. Be blessed this week and be a doer of his word.